Genesis chapter 3. Let's hear the word of God. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. 
To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out in his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So reads the Word of God. Good evening. I found thinking about suffering a very hard thing to do this week. It's been really hard as I've thought about folk in our church in this community that has suffered and gone through really hard things. Um, And I hope some of that will come out as we open God's Word this evening. Um, But it's been really hard wrestling with this topic of suffering. Uh, Let's pray before we look at God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us in it and that what you said thousands of years ago is still relevant to us today. Lord, please speak to us. Help us to understand it, challenge and change us. Lord, especially this evening, don't let your messenger get in the way of your word that we would understand something more of life in this world and what it means to be your children in it. Amen. Uh, This evening we kick off our new series on suffering and the splurb on the church website says the following. Uh, We will all experience suffering at some time in our lives. But why do Christians suffer? Isn't God all-powerful and able to prevent suffering? Isn't he loving and caring particularly towards his children? And what does the Bible teach us about the purpose of suffering? Tonight, though, we're going to keep our search and our um, looking at God's word, just looking at what is suffering and where does it come from? Neil will be doing all those other questions in the upcoming weeks. In the second week, uh, Neil will look more deeply at, is God not able to do anything about our suffering? followed by week three and four, why do Christians suffer and how we should suffer. Michael Stipe, anybody know who Michael Stipe is? 
Yay, there we go. Well done, Helen. Got a yes over there as well. Well, in 1992, Michael Stipe and R.E.M. had one of their hit songs, Everybody Hurts. Has everybody heard the song before? It's been in very many uh, movies and things. Um, Everybody Hurts became one of the anthems of the 90s. Uh, It captured people's emotions and their hearts. The music video is very moving. It won four MTV Music Awards in 1994. And the music video depicts people stuck in a traffic jam, bumper to bumper. Uh, I hate traffic and being stuck. I don't think there's anybody who enjoys it. And already we can see some of the suffering in the world. We can feel some of the pain of being stuck in the traffic jam. But as the camera swoops past the passengers in the cars, uh, subtitles explain what is going on in their lives. And it gives us an idea of some of the pain they're experiencing. Uh, Relational pain, work-related pain, physical pain, and many other things that they're having to go through as uh, people living in this world. It makes the point very well that everybody does hurt sometimes. Nobody is exempt. And the music video makes it very clear as we're going past these cars, we're seeing young and old Uh, male and female, struggling with something. Tonight, though, we're going to be holding suffering off a little bit at arm's length um, as we try and grapple with two things. Uh, What is suffering and where did it come from? Uh, We need to know that suffering is very personal. It's part of why suffering is so horrible, but is because it is personal. But just for the night, I, I wanted to try and, and park the emotion, try and park some of the personal attachment to suffering, and we're going to try and look at suffering uh, in an objective way. There are two times we can look at suffering. The first time we can look at suffering, or the first way we can look at suffering, is while we are suffering, when we're in the midst of suffering. Um, that's a hard time to look at Suffering, and, and often in that time, you need a lot, of, lot, lot more pastoral care. You need a lot more love. And the last thing you want to hear is some deep theological truth. You just want to know that it's going to be all right. You just want somebody to come and be with you and to love you and to look after you. The second way to look at suffering is before suffering hits, or maybe between rounds. And uh, we can be more objective during this time. And um, we can build a good theological understanding for when suffering does hit. It's here that we can build resilience, understanding, and grace to go through suffering uh, with a strong, healthy faith. And it's from this viewpoint that I want us to try and look at suffering this evening. Suffering is just out there before it hits. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 169 says, he says we should ask God to help us understand suffering in the context of his word. This is what he says. He says, may my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. The world has some good advice to treat suffering, but it doesn't give us the full picture Uh, Without God's perspective, it's just like putting a plaster on an amputation. Our direction of travel this evening covers uh, two questions in the title. Uh, What is suffering? And we'll be looking at a few psalms. 
And secondly, where does it come from? And we'll spend most of our time there in Genesis chapter 3. So firstly, let's look at what is suffering. Um, I uh, don't really want to doubt the Oxford Dictionary, but I think the Oxford Dictionary definition of suffering is slightly lacking. According to the Oxford Dictionary, to suffer is to experience or be subjected to something bad or unpleasant. But I think suffering is, is more than that. Um, in his book, Why Does It Have to Hurt?, Dave McCartney says, suffering is the soul's response to experiencing evil. Suffering is the soul's response to experiencing evil. I think this is closer to the mark. Suffering is more than just something bad or unpleasant. It's even more than just physical pain. Physical pain is good. It's unpleasant, yes, but it is good. It tells us that something is wrong. It's hard to ignore pain. Pain produces action. It's only when my tooth really hurts that I go to the dentist. Maybe the pain will just go away. Pain says, take note. Something's not right. Something needs attention. Uh, Most of you will know that I'm a diabetic. And one of the complications of being a diabetic is if your sugar is uncontrolled, it starts killing the nerves in your limbs, uh, which means you cannot feel. And it's why diabetics should regularly go for checkups on their feet. Usually, if you hurt your foot, if you stand on a thorn or uh, stump your toe, uh, you know about it because it hurts and you can have it treated. But if you can't feel that your foot is sore, you don't know about the injury. And it just gets worse. And often with diabetics, it means infection. It can get so bad that occasionally it leads to amputation. You see, physical pain is good. It gets our attention to sort out injury. It tells us that there is something wrong. Suffering is the soul's response to experiencing evil. Suffering affects our soul. It's who we are. Suffering is deeply personal. This might be a bit corny, but it was once said that tears are simply the raindrops from the storm inside of us. Pain is external. Suffering is a deep pain inside. It's the storm in our souls. We, uh, we see how deeply suffering affects us when we look at the honesty in the Psalms. Godly men crying out to the Lord in anguish and desperation. Um, I'm going to read a few Psalms. Listen to the words that the psalmists use to describe their suffering. Words like troubles and distress, afflicted in the depths and desperate needs. Psalm 34 verse 17 says, The righteous cry out to the Lord, and he hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. 
troubles bring suffering. Psalm 55, verse 17. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Suffering can be relentless. Morning, evening, noon. Psalm 72. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. Sometimes in our suffering we can feel isolated and alone. Psalm 130 verse 1 says the same thing. Out of the depths I cry to you. Suffering can be a dark place, a lonely place. Psalm 142 verse 6 says, Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Uh, Jesus, preparing his disciples for when he is gone, tells them in John 16 verse 33 that in this world you will have trouble. What Jesus is saying is that for his disciples then, and for us today, that suffering is inevitable. It's unavoided, unavoidable. We should expect trouble and suffering. It's not unusual in this world. Suffering is, is a deep personal hurt in our soul. It is the soul's response to experiencing evil. And we should expect it. But where did suffering come from? Let's take a look at Genesis 1 verse 31. Genesis 1 verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Genesis 1.31 and the whole way through Genesis chapter 1 tells us that the world that God made was good. It was a very good world. In other words, it's according to God's plan and God's design. The world that God created is exactly the way God wanted it to be. But here's the thing. This world, that world, was never the final arrangement. God had something much better than the Garden of Eden in store for humanity. Eternity in his presence in heaven. The garden at the beginning of time was a picture, a foreshadowing of heaven, of what we could expect at the end of time. And so these two perfect bookends, creation in Eden and heaven, in themselves contain no suffering. But in between those two bookends, we find struggles and hardship. Suffering is seen throughout the whole Bible. It's not just a footnote in the Bible. It comes up time and time again. This morning in S Club with the children, we saw a family that was struggling. A family in Israel, uh, Naomi and Elimelech, have uh, no food. There's a drought, a famine. And so they move out of Israel into Moab to escape suffering. Uh, their boys get married. The boys die. Elimelech dies. And eventually Naomi 
and Ruth returned to Israel. The suffering is the whole way through the Bible. Israel's wilderness wanderings, war in the promised land, Job, drought, illness, and death. Suffering is no foreigner in the Bible. Genesis is the book of origins in the beginning, where it all started, and is the framework for the rest of the Bible. In Genesis 1, God creates the world and everything in it. And Genesis 2 goes back and focuses on the creation of people. Up until Genesis 2, two chapters into the Bible, everything is good. But then comes Genesis chapter 3. And the wheels come off. You see, the created order was God's people under God's rule ruling God's creation. So you have God, people, creation. But in Genesis chapter 3, that whole created order gets turned upside down on its head. Instead of people ruling creation, creation in the form of a snake takes the lead. It should have been a clue to the first couple that something wasn't right when the snake speaks. Then, like today, animals don't usually speak. It was a surprise to me that nowhere in Genesis chapter 3 does it identify the snake as Satan. I hadn't seen that before. But there is no doubt from the rest of Scripture that the identity of the serpent is in fact the devil. I think probably the clearest example of that is in Revelation 20 verse 2 where it says he sees the dragon, that ancient snake who is the devil or Satan. This isn't just a matter of a talking snake, but the enemy of God, the great deceiver. Satan challenges God's goodness and his word. He says, did God really say? And adds that God is keeping something from them, likeness to him. The irony is that Adam and Eve want to be like God, but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we, we read that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created him. You see, they were created in God's image. They already carried something of God's likeness. Either they missed it or they wanted more. In this case, and many times after, Humanity, while still carrying the image of God, more closely resembled Satan by wanting to be like God, ruling ourselves independently of God. In taking and eating the fruit, Eve is not acting independently from Adam. Take a look at verse 6 of chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Adam is right there with her, silently listening into this unusual creation-changing conversation. They defy God and eat the most costly meal in the history of the world. A few months ago, Claudine and I uh, had a voucher for a restaurant 
for a pub. And we take our voucher and we go off to the pub. I think, yes, we can go crazy. Usually when we go out, we, you, know, you kind of skimp and make sure you've got enough money at the end. Now we can go all out. We went all out. At the end of the meal, we were horrified to find that the voucher was not the right voucher. We brought the receipt instead of the voucher. It hurt. It was a very costly meal. But this meal is the most costly meal, the most costly bite ever. And everything, everything changes from that moment. See, paradise was lost. In the rest of Genesis 3, we see just how much is lost. The perfect relationship between people is ruined. And we see it in verse 7 as the safe vulnerability enjoyed by Adam and Eve, represented by their nakedness, is overcome with shame and the need to cover up and hide the embarrassment. Not only is their relationship affected, but so is their relationship with the Father. They recognize his footsteps in the garden. What an amazing thing to be able to walk with the Father in paradise. They did, but no more. They hear his footsteps and they run. They take cover. Like those running from lepers, they run for safety and they hide away. When God calls for them, they realize the futility of hiding from God and they explain to him what they have done. Graciously, God listens as if he's hearing the story for the first time. Like two children, they unsuccessfully try and pass the blame on each other. And in verse 12, they even try and blame God. The woman you put here with me. You put her here with me. It's your fault. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. They have no sustainable defense. There is no need for a trial. The judge passes judgment. The snake is cursed and, and told that there will always be enmity between his offspring and the woman's. We also hear the gospel for the first time in the serpent crusher. The woman would one day produce a child that would finally crush the head of Satan. You see, the gospel is good news for everyone except Satan. The woman's punishment is next in verse 16. Let's read that. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's not that childbearing wasn't painful before. It's now going to be worse. I understand that to mean that there was pain in the perfect world, and we need to keep in mind that pain is not necessarily a bad thing. But now the pain of childbearing is going to be a whole lot worse. The relationship between women and men from this day forward would forever be complicated. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. The battle of the sexes rages on, both willing to abuse the other for their own gain. And to the man, 
The pleasure of work becomes a burden. The creation would now withhold its goodness. Creation very much spoilt. Man would now have to battle to survive. It never needed taming before this day. But perhaps the most horrific consequence of the fall, that is Adam and Eve's rebellion against God, is banishment from his presence. No longer would they enjoy walks in the garden with their creator. No longer could they enjoy conversation with him in the same way. This first sin ruined everything. And God is left with no choice but to punish mankind for their wickedness. From that day to the last, sin taints everything, and with it comes suffering. Out of their sin, suffering is born. Every time we suffer, it is because of sin. Our suffering may be caused by sin in general, things like illness or natural disasters. We suffer these things because of the fact that we're living in a world that is tainted and ruined by sin. It has nothing to do with our individual or specific sin, but because of a generic sinfulness of mankind. The suffering is a symptom of living in a cursed, fallen world. Our suffering may be caused by the sin of others, And in England at the moment, we know this too well. In the last few months, many have been killed by others at the hands of terrorism or seemingly careless neglect. Suffering can be the cause of sin in general. It can also be um, the consequence of the sin of others. It can also be the consequence of our own sinfulness. It can be a bit like cause and effect. We suffer because we did something wrong. These are usually obvious. Things like suffering in prison because we committed a crime. Or going through a painful divorce because of our unfaithfulness. The origin of all suffering is sin. And suffering is part of God's righteous judgment on sinful people. Like the Garden of Eden was a foretaste of the good things to come in heaven, earthly suffering is an early warning foretaste of what the suffering and eternal punishment will be like. It's God's way of telling us that something is wrong. There's a great little book on suffering and living with children with special needs. It's called The Life You Never Expected. The introduction to the book goes like this. It's hard to think of a generation in history that has suffered less than mine. I'm a British millennial, and that means my life has been almost entirely free of the things that make life on planet Earth awful. Bloody wars, infant mortality, ethnic cleansing, tuberculosis, earthquakes, child trafficking, smallpox, the Osmonds. Yet the strange thing is, my generation struggles with the problem of suffering more, not less, than most of those that have gone before us. 
I have experienced far, far less pain and difficulty in my short life than almost anyone else in any period of history. Yet I probably struggle with it philosophically, emotionally, even theologically, more than countless women who have lost babies in childbirth, lost husbands in war, and then died before they were my age. It's like the less we have suffered, the less equipped we are to deal with it. This, this world is full of suffering. And it breaks our heart when we hear stories from friends and family. And we turn on the television. And we are so ill-equipped to deal with it. And hopefully over the next three weeks, as Neil looks more deeply at suffering, we'll find some hope. We'll find some help. The one thing I want us to go away with knowing this evening is this. We will suffer. There will be times when life is hard, but, and we'll come to the but in a moment. The one thing I want us to do is to be ready for it. Suffering shouldn't catch us off guard. We need to be like the ill patient whose suitcase is packed and ready for the next emergency visit to the A&E. We need to know it's coming and we need to be ready for it. Here's the but. John 16, verse 33. In this world you will have trouble, but, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The suffering of this world will end because Jesus overcame it by suffering on the cross. Like sunlight through a magnifying glass, all the sin of the world is focused on Jesus. He takes on his shoulders the ultimate suffering, the suffering of the whole of humanity, your suffering, my suffering, the punishment we deserve. He suffers God's punishment so we don't have to. Like physical pain tells us there is something wrong physically, Suffering tells us there's something wrong with our relationship with God. Something in this world is not right. We should listen to that warning and turn to Jesus to deal with our sin. Last week, Sunday morning, after the service, we did a fire drill. I wasn't here. I heard it went quite well. It was just a practice run to prepare us for the real thing. The fire alarm is to warn us to get out of the building. The suffering is there to warn us to sort out our relationship with God. The suffering is there to tell us to get out of the building. And we do that by making him the ruler of our lives and rejecting ourselves as the ruler. What is suffering? Suffering is the soul's response to experiencing evil. It is a deep pain telling us that something is wrong. Where does suffering come from? Well, all suffering, in one way or another, comes from the sinfulness of humanity. We should expect it, 
and we should be ready for it. Let's pray. Father, suffering is is a very hard thing. And we think of our own lives and the lives of others. And our hearts break when we think of the pain and the anguish that people need to go through. Father, in all of this, we, we know and we'll see over the coming weeks that you are in control. We will see that suffering isn't the final page of the book that we can look forward to an eternity free of suffering, of living in your kingdom. Revelation 21. No tears, no crying, no pain. Just goodness, healthy relationship with one another and with you. Father, those of us that are suffering, help us to see that we don't need to go through that alone but that maybe this evening we can approach somebody and ask them to pray for us and to help us, that we don't need to be in those dark depths all by ourselves. Lord, we know that in this world we will have trouble, but we thank you that the Lord Jesus has taken that away from us. Help us to be ready for suffering when it does come, that we can endure it with faithfulness, Amen.